What's going on, everybody? Hotep to the family. I say to all my people out there, welcome to another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network. This is the podcast where we give our point of view of controversial topics from our experience, black history, and knowledge as African Americans. In the words of Maya Angelou, do your best until you know better, and when you know better, do better. So it's important to search for information to, to discover what you don't know so you can discover your best you. I am your host, Martre Stevens. To the right of me is Shaquan Battle. What up? Hey, hey. I got a question. Hey. What does uh, Ashe mean? Because I Googled it. You know, Google only gives you suggestions. Mm -hmm. It gave me a couple different suggestions of what it means. Ashe is a um, is basically acknowledging the force of the spirit. Um, it would also be considered similar to Amen and Christianity. And to the right of Shaquan Battle is uh, Jerome Battle. What's up? Hey, I noticed that you say Montre Stevens at the beginning. I, I do. I've been doing it for um, the last that. couple of years. Yeah. Um, I guess when it came to motivational speaking, people who were booking me, seeing my name on Facebook as Montre Stevens, and started calling me that. So I began to introduce myself as Montre. I like so, you, you know I like that anyway. So Baker is for the homies <laughs> and Montre is my professional. Good. My professional. And for the ones that don't know, uh, Dad wanted you to recognize that we was black by our names. Absolutely, <laughs> you ain't gonna find a white Chicano, a white Montre nowhere. Uh, let's go back to the sponsors for a second. Uh, the world is opening back up, and it's time that your closet open back up as well. Shot with cool breeze kicks for your every need, everyday need to feel fresh again. If you're a, a person who is always looking for the latest sneakers to express yourself. If you're a person who loves opening up a shoe box and enjoying that fresh shoe look and shoe smell, if you're a person who lays their outfit on the bed and thinks, which <laughs> shoes should I kill them with today? Then shop at Cool Breeze Kicks. Uh, follow on Instagram at CB underscore kicks with a Z. Again, that's on Instagram at CB underscore C-I-C-K-Z. Um, follow them, support Tyron Staples. Um, love you, kid. Doing a great job with your um with your company. Shout out to Cool Breeze Kit. Absolutely. Um, before we also get started, uh, I wish I had a round of applause. I'm gonna get it one day here on my laptop. Round of applause to the Milwaukee Bucks for uh winning the world championship. Congratulations to our brother, our Greek brother, uh Giannis Antetokounmpo, who who got his ring. Um Congratulations to Chris Middleton. Congratulations to Drew Holiday. Congratulations to uh, my man Bobby Porter's Bobby Buckets. Man, he got him a ring. Shout out to Bobby. Hey, I see a lot of people, uh, a lot of Nigerians saying that uh, Greek Feek is confused. He ain't Greek. He he Nigerian. <laughs> well, we all we know is he is a brother. He's black. Uh, so shout out to them. Um, another congratulations to. Uh, box office tickets to our brother LeBron James uh, with Space Jam. Uh, watched it last night. Great for kids and great for grown-ups. Um, no need to compare it to the first one. It's not the first one. It is a. It stands on its own, and it's important for me to see that that black family again on television, which he incorporated within Space Jam and Black Lessons. Um, the lesson he was teaching throughout this movie um, was for black parents, uh, especially. So congratulations to our brother LeBron James on um, the success of, of that movie. It is, LeBron always does a great job of giving you um, 
black values as a father mm -hmm. for for a man that didn't grow up with a father. Mm -hmm. That's right, and that's why it was important during this movie um, because uh, he showed that throughout the movie with a little of his story incorporated. Yeah. Um, uh, great job, great did, job, did, great did, writing. Did Jay and Marianne go to this movie with you? No. Oh, I was going to say because you talking about black family and fathers. I, I didn't get invented. I got a picture after no, the movie. Well, they, they went to the movies. Me and me and my daughter watched it here. I'm just wondering so. why I didn't get. Yeah, we we had a we had a battle family outing last night. My last night, <laughs> I didn't get an invite. Great, right. the, the, the second and third generation. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. He, I like he, movies. Too. He wanted to see Space Jam. Yeah, I like popcorn. Hey, look, I I know what he would have said when you when you text him. To, to go. What other say? Nah, man, y'all go have fun, man. <laughs> because I knew y'all y'all probably made that decision at the last minute. No, I, I actually okay. uh I, I planned it uh two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some, some so he had two the... weeks to tell you. <laughs> I tried to help about I, I said it was last minute. Oh, we already went. <laughs> wow. I mean, I like movies. I probably would have said, nah, y'all go ahead and have fun, but it's the invite. It's the invite. <laughs> that's, that's the thought. Before yeah. the fact, yeah. not after the fact. Absolutely. Okay. But this well, we're gonna we're gonna have a father Sunday one day then. We'll do that. That's Am I getting the invite? Well, you the father, yeah. so. <laughs> you started this. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to uh, piss some people off again today. That's what we do. Uh, that's what we do. That's what we do. Oh, uh, we might get pissed off. One of the two. And that happened two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> that happened two weeks ago. So a little bit of uh, getting pissed off, and since we're going to get pissed off, we're going to piss other people off as well. We're going to try and spread that. Um, I'm going to read an article. Hours after monuments to two Confederate generals were removed, a third statue came down Saturday afternoon. During a special emergency meeting, the Charlottesville City Council decided to take down the Meriwether Lewis, William Clark uh, statue. They tweeted a photo of officials whisking it away just before 2.45 p.m. The council unanimous 5-0 vote came after crowds cheered when the bronze status, the bronze, the bronze statues depicting General Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, were carted away Saturday morning. Uh, nearly four years after white supremacists and neo-Nazi groups stormed the Virginia College town to protest the city's planned removal of the Lee Monument, um, about 200 residents, spectators, and Black Lives Matter supporters came out Saturday morning to witness the moment the first two statues were taken down. Um, so real quick, brief history. Even though hundreds of Confederate statues have been taken down, there are still thousands that stand. Um, they're still currently standing. Um, throughout history, the states with the largest cluster of Confederate monuments, Virginia being 244, Texas, 199, South Carolina, 194, North Carolina, 169, Mississippi, 147. The vast majority of them are future Robert E. Lee, about 220 statues of Robert E. Lee himself. Um, President, Confederate President Jefferson Davis, about 145, and Thomas John, Jonathan Stonewall Jackson, um, about 108. Um, some of those statues have came down, but there is, like I said, there are still a lot still standing um, that we need to that we need to go ahead and get them taken down. But y'all thoughts on the statues being removed? I, it needs to ha needed to happen, mm -hmm. and it needs to continue to happen. It's long overdue. 
Um, you have a lot of people that will talk about the fact that removing the statues could possibly erase history, which I think is ludicrous and not the rapper. Um, obviously, removing the statues cannot erase history. There's no way you can erase decades of slavery. Mm -hmm. There's no way that you can erase decades of discrimination and racism and murder. Mm -hmm. Um, that continues today. There's no way you can erase it. You could not talk about it, but you can't erase it. You can't erase it. Mm. The the other thing is, it's in the history books. That's the position that we talked about last week. Right. That they put blacks in in the history of the United States mm -hmm. is in that slavery mode. So how can you erase it? You, you can't erase it. Um, mm -hmm. And taking down the statues does not erase it. When we talk about statues, we're not just talking about the statues themselves, but let's talk about while they were even erected. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about where they're located because mm -hmm. I think that's huge too mm -hmm. because most of the statues are located somewhere near the courthouse, mm -hmm. which is a place that we know that blacks are treated unfairly right. on a daily basis right. that's when you point. think about criminal justice. Really good point. So you putting the statues in a place signifying what we're going to do to you when you come to court mm -hmm. at this courthouse. That's one. The other thing is, how many how many statues of Martin Luther King do we have in front of courthouses? Mm -hmm. Very few. And, you know, so at the end of the day, you erected those statues for a specific targeted reason. It's to instill certain things to the people that see them, mm -hmm. whether it be the pride of the white mm -hmm. generation or the fear of the black. One of the two. It's a reason that you <clears throat> erected those statues and put them where you put them. Mm -hmm. That needs to stop. Mm -hmm. The way you stop them is by removing. Now, I know people talk about history and, and generally is is generally is historic. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have people, including myself, we talked about it last week or a week before last on this podcast, where he was not a supporter of slavery. Mm -hmm. he, he actually freed his slaves. Mm -hmm. Um, one of his main slaves, I think his name's Lee Mack, wrote a book. Mm -hmm. um, however, however, he fought for slavery. Mm -hmm. Although, according to him, he was just doing his duty. Mm -hmm. I get that. But do you really think that's why they erected a statue of him? Right. Is because he was against slavery? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's why they erected the statue? Of course right. not. Of course not. That's not why they, they erected this, the statue of him in all these different states and all these different locations. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it was because he fought for the side of slavery. Mm -hmm. Needs to come down. They need to come down. Now, what you can do is you can do the same thing that you're doing with statues of like Martin Luther King. Um, put them in some museum somewhere mm -hmm. where for people that want to see them and want to know what they were about, because obviously I do think it's important to know the characters. Yeah. I just don't think they need to be 17 foot statues in my face when I go to, right. when I go to the courthouse. Right. So I agree that they need to come down. I do not agree that it, that taking them down erases history, mm -hmm. um, but it needs to happen. It needs to continue to happen. Like Denzel said, don't, I don't care what you do. <laughs> don't let me come down here and find you doing this. <laughs> <laughs> But I, like you said, though, they, most of them are super big. They, you know, they at courthouses, they at roundabouts, That's letting right. you know. Yeah, we might have lost the war, but we still in charge here, boy. Right. That's right. That's right. That's, right. that's what is. That's what is about. Um, Rob, one, one, let me read a quote from um, 
Robert E. Lee. I think it, however, a great evil to the white man than to think, I think it's a great evil to the white man than to the black race. He was speaking about slavery being bad for white people, but good for black people. Because it was it was worsome for them to control right. the slaves. So Absolutely. that's the type of person that you're dealing with that's saying, okay, slavery, it is wrong for us to have slaves, but it's right to be able to put blacks into a into their position um, to keep them in their place in, right. in this country. Um, he also said the blacks are immeasurably better off here than in Africa, morally, socially, and physically. Hmm. The painful discipline that they are undergoing is necessary for their instruction as a race. I hope and will prepare and lead them to better things. How long their subjection may be necessary is known and ordered by wise, uh, merciful providence. Their emancipation will sooner result from the mild and melting influence of Christianity than the storms and tempests of uh, theory controversy. His argument, again, is that slavery was bad for white people. But good for black people. That alone is is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But you're gonna hear a lot of people say that he wasn't a cruel master because he didn't abuse his slaves physically, or or, or that to the view of other to others. Right. So yes. we'll, we'll get right. to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um. Right. He he might not have abused them by his own hand. From what we know, we don't we don't know for sure. But by writings. He didn't take action by his own hand to abuse slaves, but he did something actually worse. That was actually worse that we talked about in this podcast before is instead of beating the slaves, the enslaved Africans, he would sell them. That's right. He would sell the mother from the, uh, from the father. He would sell the, the kids away because he did not respect black families. Again, this is a few years before the Emancipation Proclamation hit. So right after slave enslaved Africans was free, that's even harder to find your family after freedom. That's right. So when you sell somebody deep south or uh, or to uh, the Caribbean islands or the West Indies, it was harder to find uh, your family from there, which is, I'd rather take the beating than, right. than, than, than to separate from me from my family. So. In cruelty, he was worse in that aspect. Um, one of the things that's floating around is that, uh, like you said, that he freed his slaves. Correct. But let's talk about the manner in which that happened. That's right. Robert E. Lee's mother and stepfather uh, died, and he inherited the slaves that they owned. And in Robert E. Lee's stepfather's will, it said that in five years, those enslaved Africans were to be free. Robert E. Lee goes to the court twice to petition for even an extension on this or even to um, do away it all together because they were in, in debt. That's right. So he was denied that access, but now before two enslaved Africans ended up escaping from the plantation, which they actually had plans to revolt, but they escaped and they were captured in Maryland and brought back. By Robert E. Lee's uh, authority, he had his overseers beat 50 lashes into those escaped Africans. And then after beating those escaped Africans, he then takes salt water and pour it onto the wombs, right. which was actually made it a lot worse. And by doing that, they asked him, uh, he asked, why did y'all, you know, run from the plantation? And their thing was, 
we're just as free as you, according to your stepfather who said that we're supposed to be free. That's right. So he didn't actually free. The, Virginia had to force him to free those enslaved Africans due to the documentation of the will. So a lot of people say he freed his um, enslaved Africans. Oh, yeah, because it was in the will and the documentation of his stepfather that he had to do so. If that was not in the will, those enslaved Africans would have not be free. At least at, at that time. They at that time. Been. So that's right. And actually, the Emancipation Proclamation had passed, and he still didn't free his slaves. Um, they actually had to force <laughs> him to do so. Tell his wife. Right. So um, another thing he did, it was common for the Confederacy and the Union soldiers, if they captured somebody, a white um, military person, to exchange hostages. Mm -hmm. General Lee wasn't doing that with black soldiers. He either massacred them or he threw them back into slavery. In, a, in another letter, Lee wrote, you will never prosper with blacks. You will never prosper with blacks, which means even if they, he thought that slavery was wrong, which in his writings he did, but he's still subjected to slavery. He still did not believe that blacks was equal to whites, Absolutely. which is another problem. He said that blacks were intelligent enough to vote. Sounds like something the Republicans are saying today. Absolutely. So a lot of narratives that are being painted is something that black people need to start saying, need to start debunking early on. So when they said he did many great things with his life, okay, he might have did. I know a bunch of gangbangers who done who made a walk to grandma across the street. That's right. right. Don't does them doesn't make them not a, a a person who committed murder or a person who sells drugs to their people. That's right. So why he free slaves? Did he fight against slavery? Did he think black people were equal to him? Nope. He did not. Did owning slaves and it when he owned slaves, did he fight against slave slavery in, in the Civil War? If those answer is no, then F them. Absolutely. I, Absolutely I, F them. I, I agree 100 percent Another Absolutely. another thing that they like to say. He was a good slave master. <laughs> what does that mean? In comparison to the, the bad slave master, that may sound like a good thing. But we have to stop that narrative right there. Because, again, if they own property and knew it was wrong to own property but still did it, they're still guilty. Absolutely. Slave master itself <laughs> makes it wrong. So how can you be a good one? So we're going we're gonna to cut it right there. We're going to cut that narrative right there. There is no such thing as a good slave master. That's right. Now, were that slave master that was not as cruel as some other slave masters? Absolutely. But if, if, I was, if somebody was to shoot you one time rather than five times, you still got shot. That, you still that, doesn't make it right. right. So in return again, we're going to do a segment. We're going to call it, I want you to say it because I don't curse like that. But when I point to you, I want you to say the F word at him. <laughs> so after that statement, fuck him. <laughs> so he was a good slave master. We're going to debunk that right there. Slavery wasn't that bad. It was another concept that they're trying to throw around. That's right. The Deep South is known for their extreme racism. And it seems that they want to keep that embedded in our minds, as you say. But fuck him. We can't throw away history. Fuck him. We need to <laughs> learn from we need to learn from it. And this is something that George Bush said, uh, a great nation does not hide its history. It faces its flaws and corrects them. 100% agree. If that's what the basis of these statues were doing. If you were to go up to these statues and it was to talk about how morally wrong uh, slavery was, 
been okay. If it was to talk about these are the concepts and beliefs that we do not want to follow as a country, like Germany does when they have the concentration camp still there, when you go there, they teach that this is not what Germany stands for. If that was a thing, then okay, we can have a conversation. But when you glorify, not acknowledge, glorify these people, again, like you said, with the size statues, where they put them at, it's not correcting behavior. It's it's continued behavior. It's promoting. It, it's teaching. It's promoting right. it. So it, it's embedding in the minds to black people that this is your place. These are the people who put you in that place. Mm-hmm. And it's embedded in white people's minds, especially in the deep south. That's right. They're saying we have to under we have to remember who we are, which is white supremacy. Absolutely. And, and with with the statues like New Orleans, what is sixty five percent black? Sixty five percent black. You yeah. have these statues of being glorified of slave owners. Absolutely. And black people faces every day. That's right. And you had you had white people saying that no, this is our history. Okay. On the other side of that, because if you got history, then we got history. Right. That's right. Our history is we have been oppressed for over four hundred years. Right. So now I'm going to get a job or I'm going to school and I gotta look at these mon- these monuments, these statues of People that owned my family member. Right. That's right. That enslaved my family members. And you saying that's your history. Let's put a statue up of a person that owned other people. Right. And it's not like, listen, I can care less what some of y'all do behind closed doors. You can call me the N-word. You right. can have your Confederate flags in your homes. Do whatever you want to do on your time. But when you have these statues in towns, I don't know if y'all noticed coming up and through my neighborhood, there is a little confederate flag on a sign out there Mm -hmm. that's a representation of the town that's where black people native americans hispanics live so you're not you're not preserving history for everybody you're preserving history for white supremacy as marlo said on the wire (laughs) you want it to be one way that's right because if you truly want to preserve history then the same people wouldn't be arguing about the critical race theory that we talked about yesterday being in schools because you will want to talk about every piece of history even the part that's not bad but again like marlo said on the wire you want it to be one way and to dad fuck you (laughs) but that's the thing is uh you know george bush said that you know about the history, but their history, America's history is made up. They had something called the lost cause. The lost cause. The lost which cause that's what they a, like to call it. Yeah. Like call it. <laughs> which was a false narrative about the Confederacy, slavery, white supremacy, reconstruction, and the KKK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They produced their own history of so their ancestors wouldn't look bad because dog, y'all lost. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And they said the the war wasn't fought over slavery as as we talked about that many episodes ago. Uh, but it was to defend the Tenth Amendment. Well, here's the thing. When we say, when you hear black people say that the Civil War was not fought for slavery, yes, we're talking about the Union. Because the Union liked to make it feel like they were fighting for our freedom because they cared about us. That's not true. They were fighting because the slavery was making, was causing capitalism in the South. So it had to do with slaves, but it was about money at the end of the day. So for the South, it was about keeping their slaves so they could continue to and uh, so they continue to become wealthy based off of their uh, trade and and growing um, tobacco, cotton, and all of these in different different things. So when we use that theory, it's not against the Confederacy; it's against the Union to say y'all fight was not about slaves; it was about money, mm-hmm. and slaves had something to do with the money. But when it comes to the South, it was absolutely about slavery because in order to have that capitalism that they was enjoying, you had to have slaves. Which was a Civil War part two. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we begin to look at some of these concepts, even the Confederate flag, the flag that they're that they're flying around today was not the flag of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. The flag of the Confederacy actually looked a lot like the United States flag, and they ended up changing it because they were confused on the battlefield. So the Confederacy flag that you see people flying around today did not come into a mission until after the loss of the Civil War and the rise of the Ku Klux Klan, especially during the Reconstruction right. period, where they were using this flag to... Um, to uh, separate from the black people and take away all of the, the the new freedoms that they now have. So when you talk about we're preserving our history, that flag in particular, it comes into place during the reconstruction period where blacks were booming and white people wanted to subject them or object their 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 progress there in the South. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Absolutely. just with them, you also had Jefferson Davis who knew slavery was wrong, but still insisted on owning slaves. He also said that if any black soldiers fighting for the Union was captured, was going back into slavery and said stupid stuff like, my own conviction as to Negro slavery are strong. It has its evils and abuses. We we recognize the Negro as God and God's book and God's laws and nature. Tell us to recognize him. I inferior fitted expressly for servitude. You cannot transform the Negro into anything one-tenth as useful or as good as what slavery enables them to be. So, Jefferson Davis? Fuck you. Hey, my man Jefferson Davis also said slaves in America is moral, political, and social blessing. Again, to Jefferson Davis? Fuck you. And to Stonewall Jackson, own slaves. So some people say he had, he did uh, Sunday school with the black people and he was a devoted Christian. Any man that truly is a Christian and a man of God would have never owned slaves. That's right. His family agreed, his family agreed, his descendants of today, that his statue should come down because of what he represented it. So to Stonewall Jackson, fuck you. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, the the other thing that always surprises me when people bring up the relationship that somebody that we deem as being racist or discriminatory, they always bring up the fact that, well, he had a he had a white grandson, a black grandson, or he had a most of them or he had whatever. And you attributed that to the fact that he couldn't have been racist. No, he liked that one black. Right. Right. He liked that (laughs) one black person. Right. That has nothing to do with the race itself. That one black person, he may have had some type of, of feeling or compassion for. Right. That one. That's it. That don't That's mean it. all you. Yeah. That just means this one. Can, can, I want to say something about that real quick. Because it's a, it's a lot of things that a lot of white and black people don't understand about, about that concept. In the jail or the prison system today, if a officer was to have sex or a police officer was to have sex with somebody uh, like an inmate, that is considered rape because by being on by being property of the government, they cannot um, institute um, can't use the authority of, of content That's right. of, 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 of uh, content to sex. The same thing happens in slavery. There, this, a slave cannot say no to sex from a slave master. That's right. right. So that is considered rape. So when we talk about these slave owners who had concubines of that were black, who may have uh, had babies with black women, that is rape. That is right. child um, child molestation because a lot of them were what underage. we consider underage That's today. Right. That's right. So 99% of our women that were enslaved were raped, molested, 
and 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 exposed due to their slave masters. It was not consensual because okay. a slave cannot consent, cannot consent to sex. They can't say no. Can't say right. no. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. If you're listening, go to YouTube, type in the Mighty Motivation Network, subscribe to the channel, uh, share the channel, um, the Unapologetic Podcast. Go to Facebook, type in My Unapologetic my unapologetic perspective and uh hit the like button share it with your friends share it with your family if you see these videos floating around on facebook instagram copy and paste the link send it to one of your friends one of your family members um and give us your unapologetic perspective in the comments so we're gonna move right along we're gonna talk about uh something that just recently uh recent analysis came out in here in virginia um we like to really cover things that specifically to Virginia, where we live at, um, the statues. We know Richmond and Charlottesville have a high number of those statues. But another thing that came out in the news uh, last week was a newspaper analyst of state data shows that across Virginia, black drivers are the only racial or ethnic group stopped by police at a higher rate than their share of the population. Black drivers in Hampton Roads across Virginia were also more likely to be stopped and searched by police than any other racial ethnic group. Y'all thoughts on driving while black? You go first. Uh, my experience, only speaking for me, um, growing up as a teenager, targeted several times. Several times. Um, and I think the... Uh, the commissioner came out and said that, you know, it's no way these officers know uh, what race these people are when he's pulling them over. You do. Especially because, if it's during the daytime. Right. Yes. You do. And and not only that, because the community that you're setting up in. Yeah. You know, we know most of the time cops only set up on one side of the city. Mm hmm. Or, or on a or on a major highway. But like you said, it's daytime. You can see. Um, and by the vehicle. Right. So if if you're driving a Mercedes Benz, you're going to get pulled over because why are you driving a Mercedes Benz? Mm -hmm. How are you driving a Mercedes Benz? I don't even have a Mercedes Benz is right. what the police officer is. Right. That's what he's thinking. But premise. on the other hand is nine times out of ten, you think you're going to find something in that vehicle. That's right. <clears throat> so because uh, their violations were Terry stops, which were, you know, um, a light out. Mm -hmm. uh, tags need to be renewed uh, Inspections, those things um, And they said Drivers that uh, that um, Was based on Suspicion of a driver mm -hmm. um, Engaged in criminal activity Yeah, I, I, I got some interesting statistics for you I had a guy, a friend that works for the state police And I had him send me a text Which is why I hadn't even had a chance To put it on my laptop Because he, I asked him to get it to me by, by 11.30 and he did that <clears throat> right at 1130 as I was pulling up. He sent it to cool. me. Um, and this was regarding driving while black. It, and it's funny because even now when I'm driving and I see a police officer have somebody pulled over, I look to see if they're black. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I <laughs> can't I, help not, it. I look to see if they're black. Blacks are 20% more likely to be, to be pulled over by police than whites. One and a half to two times as often as white drivers to be searched, mm -hmm. even though they are less likely to be carrying guns, drugs, yep. or other illegal contraband. 30% less likely mm -hmm. to be carrying any of that 
but yet we're 20 percent more likely mm -hmm. to be pulled over and one and a half to two times greater chances of being searched so clearly but let's just say it's not clear okay let's just say it's still not clear those numbers go down after dark yeah because you can't see because you can't, you can't see, see. So that means that a lot of people go, well, that's proof that they're not biased towards black drivers. No, idiots. It's the opposite. Right. Because now they don't know what race you are. They're pulling everybody over right. equally. Now it's equal now. It looks equal. It man. looks equal. Yeah. Because we can't see who the drivers are. That proves that in the daytime, they are pulling blacks over intentionally at a high rate. Now, you want to know how high rate? Let me give you some other numbers. There's over 225 million drivers in America. 64% mm -hmm. are white. Only 13, less than 13% are black. Mm -hmm. Yet we get pulled over 20% more. <laughs> that is how So it's less of us driving, but we get pulled over more. You can't tell me that's not racial profiling. Yeah. You can't tell me that. Mm -hmm. Here's the other thing. We are 75% more likely to get a ticket. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm versus them giving you a warning you can't tell me that this is not systematic You're right racism mm -hmm. you can't tell me that we didn't make up the numbers this is coming from the state police right we didn't make these numbers up no, absolutely not okay so you can't tell me that this is not a problem and you can't tell me that it's not systemic right obviously it's systemic is when we keep saying deeply rooted it ain't that deep Trust me. Right. It ain't that you didn't, you don't have to go that far. Have an argument with a white person and see how deeply it is. Yeah. It come out really quick. Right. Real, boom. You know, they're going to say something that's going to be racially divisive. Right. Real quick. Right. It's not deeply rooted, but it's because you have things like statues erected to send your face every day. Right. You have, and I know we're going to get to this. You're going to, you have, uh, uh, in certain states, where they are doing things on a regular basis. We talked about this last week. While we were eating hot dogs and celebrating Juneteenth Day, they were trying to, the Republicans were trying to pass over 400 bills in 32 different states uh -huh. of voter suppression. And one of those states is Texas, which is one of those states that you mentioned still has a large number of statues like Robert E. Lee erected. Uh -huh. And in those states, like Texas, they're trying to say that not everybody needs to vote. Right. So only people that we think are worthy, we meaning the white majority, oh, are worthy of voting, right? So we're going to talk about a little bit about yeah. how white privilege <laughs> plays into what they're doing. Let me give you an example. This is this one blew me away, and this is something that just happened recently that uh, I think you guys probably heard about on the news. So you had, during the riots on the Capitol, mm -hmm. you had a white lady who spat in the face of a black lady mm -hmm. who was protesting. She was there supporting Black Lives Matter at the time that they were riding. And she spit in the black lady's face. And they, it was videoed. She yelled to the cops. Cops came over, detained the black lady, mm -hmm. walked the white lady away. Black lady, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. She was the one who salted me. Well, where's your proof? I'm telling you this is what happened. There's <laughs> right. other witnesses that are telling you what happened. Luckily, somebody videoed it, showed them the video. So they ended up arresting the white lady. But let, let me let me just tell you what the charges were. And, and th this blows my mind. And the, the more I talk about this, of course, we talk about we're going to piss some people off. 
Well, some of these things piss me off. So the white lady was charged with several crimes, which included deprivation of rights, third degree criminal attempt to commit assault, first degree reckless endangerment and risk of injury. Her punishment for these crimes, which did not include any relating to a hate crime, she was only ordered to enroll in special in a special program for first time offenders. And she will have two years to complete a hundred hours of anti-hate courses. Now that, 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 that's important because she has to complete a anti-hate course, mm -hmm. but she wasn't charged with anything race related. Had, right. Right. So th that in itself tells you, okay, something's wrong, mm. but let me go a step further. She will have a clear criminal record. Once the courses are completed, you know why that's important. She'll get to vote, vote. <laughs> because if, if it was the other way around, that'll be a Absolutely. felony. Now you can't vote. Now you can't vote. She will get to vote, which is important because now we go back to the legislation where they're trying to pass these 400 bills of voter suppression. This lady will get to vote. Yeah, we know how she's voting. We already we, know, yeah, right? Because we know how she feel about black people. She spit on one. Right. We know why she was at the Capitol in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. So she's going to vote. We know how she's going to vote. Mm -hmm. These are the kind of people that they're trying to appease. And what do they want? Statues. Yeah. What do they want? I don't want you to teach the Ku Klux Klan. It's a bad. It's bad. Mm, yeah. In school. I only, and, I only want you to teach about Martin Luther King in high school. Oh, but in Texas, we ain't doing that. Oh, I know. Because we're going to remove Martin Luther King and Native Americans from American history. Facts. Right in front and of slavery. our face. Right in our face. Right? So while we were celebrating, this is what they were doing behind the scenes. And to top it off in Texas, when they voted on this, guess where most of the Democrat congressmen in Texas were? In D.C. trying to fight the voter suppression <laughs> laws. So they said, oh, why all them gone? Let's vote on this. Yeah. Right? They're not here to vote against it. Let's vote on this. And that's what they did. So again, when we talk about people hear us talk about systemic or systematic, however you want to pronounce it. When we talk about that, you think that that's us just saying that racism exists in the police department and in schools and in finance institutions. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that the system that was devised to keep blacks in a certain place throughout the United States holds racism and discrimination at a high level. Right. We can talk about white supremacy all we want to. I mean, you can term it how you want to. We have the proof to say that it lives within those systems. Mm -hmm. We have the proof. The government being the main system in the way that they treat us, the way that they label us when you look at the Constitution. Most of the amendments that they have are related to blacks. Mm -hmm. Why we weren't included in the original Constitution in the sense that we're trying to get us to be recognized today. Right. They did not recognize that that way at the time. Go back to the Emancipation Proclamation. If you read that in its totality and you understand exactly what's being said there, Thomas Jefferson admitted uh, he had issues with the way Americans viewed blacks. Mm -hmm. But he didn't talk about it openly. Right. A lot of these people talked about it privately. Privately. Talked about it privately. Same thing. General Lee, General Lee yeah. talked about a private. What do we say about silence? It's it's um it's agreeing the, with it. It's the biggest form of racism you could possibly right. have is that when you know something is wrong and you don't say anything, mm -hmm. right? 
So let's, let's real quick. I want to tap on that real quick too. So when we talk about criminal justice, they say, well, why come black? Why don't black people help out the police when they come in their neighborhoods? Right? Why don't they? Why don't they tell? Why don't they say? Because they're not going to protect that black person. Right. Okay. So if that black person is now telling the police what happened. You th really think that they're going to get enough evidence from that conversation to go arrest the suspect mm -hmm. in time to protect that person? Mm -hmm. No, unless he kills somebody white. Mm -hmm. If he kills somebody white, they arrest him today. Mm -hmm. Kill somebody black. We're going to investigate what you told us, ma'am. In the meantime, he's plotting to kill that lady because yeah. she just told on him. Mm -hmm. Right. So we don't trust the police. It's not because we want them to get away with the crime. Right. It's because we don't trust the police. You're not going to protect us. You're not going to arrest them. I'm going to have to deal with them later. Right. I know that. Rich, Richard Sherman's wife, when she called 911 on him, she said, look, he's drunk. He's belligerent. Don't shoot him. When y'all get here, don't, don't shoot, shoot him. him. Right. You know, you have to worry about. There was an episode on Empire. I know you guys watch Power and you probably didn't watch Empire. But there was an episode on Power where Cookie went to visit her sister and her sister had a son that was abusive mm -hmm. and cookie called the police because he was putting something tough on his mom and on cookie mm -hmm. and called the police and cookie's sister was so mad because she said, you realize they could have shot and killed my son mm -hmm. because you called the police. Mm -hmm. Who do we call when we need help? Right. Who do we call? Because the people that we call don't give a fuck about us. Right. Who do we call? We know they don't care because of things that they're doing behind the scenes while we're celebrating something that they claim they gave us in Juneteenth Day. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. They don't care about us. They don't care about us and they're proving it to us every single day. And we're okay because I can buy a house where I want to. Right. I can buy any type of vehicle that I want to. My my um my interest rate might be higher, but I can buy whatever I want and I can get a job making just as much money as our count white counterparts. And we think that we're doing something. We think that we progress so much further now than we did in the 1950s and mm -hmm. the 1960s. And I'm here to tell you, you haven't, mm -hmm. we have not. Um, my opinion on, um, driving while black, I'll speak on that first, um, is we got, we got to look at history again to understand driving while black. Um, it's always been a, a key point for white supremacy to control the movements of black people. Uh, going back, we can go back to the slave trade of shackling them down on, on, on a ship and to where they can't even turn left to right because you got them piled up on top of each other. We could talk about um, police started with slave catches, um, controlling exactly. black movements. You couldn't even, you couldn't go from plantation to plantation with your master's position, uh, permission unless you had a pass even if you were a free black person, you had to have a pass to show that you were free to be able to travel on, on certain roads. Um, purchasing cars became, well, even before purchasing cars, we look at trains and buses, what was done to discriminatory to keep black people from traveling That's to right. certain places. So you try to put them in the worst position possible on those buses and on those trains um, to, to stop them from traveling because especially on the trains you will put them in what they call the smoke room in which all the smoke will go into that particular uh part of the train to try to stop black people from wanting to travel by train even if you purchase what they call a first class ticket you still had to to sit there that's right um but purchasing cars became a uh, a new freedom for black people um especially people after we talked about like the great migration where they moved north and they moved west Cars allowed them to move 
fluently back to the South or going back to the South to visit family or just traveling the world to, to see the rest of the world. Cars was the, the freedom, especially when you talk about a lot of these people didn't own homes, but they could own a vehicle. The vehicle was the, we still do it today. We, we dress the vehicle up. We put rims on it. We paint it. You want the vehicle to be an expression of you because a lot of times in history, that was the only thing a black man had. A lot of them slept in their cars that's because right. that's, that's, all that's, all they they, that's all they had. That's right. It was a freedom. But unfortunately, with that freedom came um, the ability to move within white neighborhoods. So even driving through a white neighborhood was um, was forbidden because of what we call racial profiling, as we That's talked right. about. Moving through certain counties where we know uh, sundown towns, you, you couldn't be there for long. Um, you couldn't, um, traveling across state lines, you couldn't just stop at a hotel and say, hey, we want to sleep here tonight. That's Most right. of the time they were, they were segregated. Um, you could just, just stop, stop and, and get, get something to eat. Pie. You can just yeah. stop and get some something to eat. You can just stop and get gas. <laughs> you, right. you had to find a black person in town and say, "Hey, where's a good place for me to get gas?" And they have, they would have to direct you. That's right. They even had brochures that 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 catered to black people to say, "Hey, these are the places you need to stop when you're going. These are the places you don't need to stop." Um, there was oftentimes we're traveling on on roads. Um, black people will pull over and go into the woods and they would sleep in the woods. So, because if you were caught on the road at night, you were probably killed or lynched. Um, so they, they, they would end up pulling over in the woods and, and set and just sleeping in the car, whole family sleeping in the car. But racial profiling begins as a, a, it, it was a loophole in the fourth amendment or around the fourth amendment, mm -hmm. uh, a fourth amendment protects your right for, for search and seizures. And, what they did was minor, they can pull you over for minor traffic stops. And by the words of probable cause or reasonable suspicion can lead to search and seizure. That's so right. they will pull you over for a minor, minor traffic things and, and, and say, Hey, we smell something. We, we see, see something, something. We suspect something. Get out the car. We'll search the car. That's right. And like you said, black drivers are four to six times likely to be stopped more than white drivers. They're also 30% less likely after searches to be carrying anything illegal. Right. So you're stopping black people at a higher rate, searching them at a higher rate, but finding stuff at, at a, a lower, lower rate. rate. Absolutely. And this is, this is the target um, that black people are faced with. Um, and black white America finally got to see it on camera. Um, with George Floyd on how police treat you. Well, well, hold on, because you said that uh, it's a lower rate of them finding anything. Lower like, rate, well, even though you're searching at a higher rate, it's a lower rate of you, you finding, finding anything. anything. What's the opposite of that? How can we get that number up? Right, so the more searches you do, the more that number goes up. Um, and if you with find George something. Floyd, they tried to find ways to say, hey, he was on this. He right. Was, so, they absolutely. wanted to plant things on him. So we've seen that with George Floyd, we've seen it with Rodney King. We've seen it. Rodney we, King was probably one of the starts. Right. We've we seen it a seen lot of times. 90 miles um, an hour in a Yugo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had this conversation off air that, you know, being pulled over as a as a teenager, you a lot of teenagers don't know their rights. No. That's right. So if a cop asks you if you if they can search your car, you're probably going to let them. That's and, right. I, and I but, did. Never but, realized. But not knowing that the officer that you were talking about earlier could have been crooked. 
to where he could have planted something on you and changed you for the rest of your life. This and is before <laughs> this is before dash cams were. Or, or you could have had cam. a friend in that car at some other point that could have left something in that car. Uh, absolutely. And now it's yours when you allow that officer to search that car. Now absolutely. It's yours. So and you had no idea that that whatever that is is even in the vehicle. Right. So a traffic stop can become criminal activity search real fast, especially absolutely. among African Americans. And we talked about this on another episode. The um, uncomfortable conversations that black parents have to have with their kids at a certain age. We talked about at an early age when they're going to school. We talked. We talked about you know when they become adults, but also when they become teenagers and they get that that learner's permit, going to get that license. We have, that's a different conversation. That if you are pulled over by police, these are the instructions that you need to follow. A lot of white people do not need you, to have that conversation have that. with your kids. So what are the what does the conversation sound like? Respect them, not respect them because of who they are. Mm -hmm. Respect them for your survival. Right. Absolutely. So keep your hands where they can see them. Make no sudden movements. Don't reach for anything. These are the things that you need to do to stay alive for a simple oh, don't, traffic don't, stop. Don't forget the yes, sir, and no, sir. Got to yeah. say yes, sir, and no, sir, because even the respect thing is more about your survival that maybe they'll they'll uh they'll calm down if they see that you are respectable but we had this conversation last week our younger cousin in college said they got pulled over and by a guy sticking his head out the window before the cop gets up there she pours her weapon this is something that 19 20 year olds are dealing with at an early age because when you stop a white person in traffic it is for traffic mm -hmm. that person as a civilian, mm -hmm. when you stop a black person, it's not for traffic. It's for Suspect. criminal searches, and they are a threat. When a black most, they did surveys on this. This is not stuff we're making up. They did surveys on white police officers, not just based on color, based on name. If the name sounds black, I think that the the person that's driving this vehicle is more of a threat. I think that it's more likely that I have to pull my weapon if the person is black or sounds black. It's more of a threat. So when we talk about these conversations of being driving while black, number one, it comes from experience. Number two, the numbers don't lie and the number are disproportionate. And this is something that we see every single day. Police officers are admitting it. They're admitting that when they leave the force that they got tired of just pulling over blacks and Hispanics because that's who they wanted to pull over. That was the protocol. That's right. I I, I think I mentioned this on a, on an episode earlier, but when uh, Cameron first got his driver's license, um, he came by my job at the time I was working for a company right in the middle of town. He came by my job. He's gotten his license, um, got insurance on his car. Eugene, had get, his uncle Eugene had given him a car and he left. Probably about 10 minutes later, I get a phone call from him. He got pulled over by the police and um, right on Centerville Road, so which is on the road by Liberty High School. So I left work and drove out there. And when I got there, I could tell, you know, at this age, Cameron was big boy, you know, working out in the gym and everything. And the police officer pulled me to the side and said, he's really belligerent and talking to me in all kinds of ways. And, you know, I think it would be a good idea if you had a conversation with him. At this point, 
I was probably the most scared that I've ever been in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, the first 12 or 13 years of my life was criminal minded from the age of about 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. So I was in, I've seen a lot of things that I should have been scared that I was not. This particular time I was terrified because I started thinking this cop could have done something to my nephew mm -hmm. just by his demeanor and him being a threat because of his size and him being black. Mm -hmm. And I pulled my nephew to the side and I, I, I vividly remember exactly what I said to him. I won't repeat all the words, but I said, hey, when a police officer pull you over, you should be saying nothing short of yes, sir, and no, sir. Mm -hmm. Have your hands where you can see them and no body language or movements at all that could seem threatening. Because when you're his size, just putting your arm up could seem like a threat. Mm -hmm. Right? Don't, don't, you don't do any of that. Mm -hmm. And I was so afraid that when I got out of my car to go and talk to him, I didn't even realize, for those that know me, I'm terrified of snakes. I didn't even realize it was a snake that I had just snapped, stepped over when I was going. I was so mad, right. so scared that I didn't even notice the snake until right. after the fact. And my nephew was like, uh, Uncle Rome, I don't think you're going to get back in the car. That's <laughs> a snake right there. you know." But I was terrified. Because at that moment, I realized that my, my, my nephew's life was in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. And he had no clue that it was in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I made sure I had that conversation with him, that tough conversation. I, I think I tell you guys all the time, we talk about being a black parent might be the, 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 the toughest thing there is to be in America, mm -hmm. um, especially being a black man. But it's even tougher when you try to teach your kids how to be proud of being black. Mm -hmm. But being able to come home at night, right. you want them to be proud. You want them to stand up, but you want them to come home. Mm -hmm. So how can you do both? You got to educate. Them. Right. You have to educate them. And you educate them and you say, you can be proud, come home. And then if that person or system did something wrong, then we'll deal with that. Mm -hmm. But you got to come home first. Right. And you said something critical was size, you know, can be considered as a threat. And this is something that the police officer said during the George Floyd case That's right. was that his size was a factor. So by putting a knee on his neck or them being um, going to going against um, going with excessive use of force um, that took into account his size. Um, so if you can't match with somebody physically, that's going to cause a lot of officers to go to their their weapon. That's right. Um, so when we talk about, let me show you in charge, here, boy. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that that is the 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 problem um, with law enforcement is a lot of people can't handle situations, especially how to communicate with black people. Um, Absolutely. So we this is why for the, anybody that says black police officers are sellouts, um, I one hundred percent disagree with you. Um, because there are black police officers that know how to communicate to black people that can defuse situations. Not all of them, but some are uh, Sambo's, but there are some that that know how to do their job and they're doing their job to be the change that they want to see, especially in the black community. So if an officer pulls you over for traffic, they're not actually required to tell you why they pulled you over. But a lot of black people would like to know why they pulled you over. And a lot of black officers would go ahead and explain to them why. But there are officers who will not. 
because they want that authority to say it ain't none of your business. Show me your driver's registration, all of all of those good things. I'm in charge step here, out, boy. yeah. Step step out the car. Now you're not required to step out of the car. Nope. But if you watch some of these videos, they will make you step out of the car or pull you out that vehicle. Um, black officers can defuse that situation, but we're starting to white America is starting to see this. Now they may not care about it, but when the military guy gets pulled over, you're starting to see how black people are treated when they're pulled over and they're being compliant. They, we have the right to record. That's right. We have the right to record. Um, well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back again. Go to YouTube, type in the mighty motivation network, subscribe to the YouTube channel. My unapologetic perspective on Facebook, uh, CB underscore kicks on Instagram. Follow them for your latest kicks. Um, hit them up if you got a certain kicks that you want. Message them and see if he can get it for you. And I'm positive he he can uh, he can deliver. All right, let's jump right back in. Um, go. I want to I want to stay with the the not necessarily driving while black because we realize the issue with how they determine and the rate that they're pulling over black drivers and opposed to white drivers is basically racial profile. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to give you a, a great example of racial profile. And this just happened two days ago. Black woman traveling, I think from Colorado to Fort Worth, Texas on a plane with the four-year-old white child and some concerned travelers on the plane notified the authorities that the terminology is important notified the authorities that not that something was wrong but there was a possible child trafficker <laughs> on the plane now i don't know how you go from something being unusual or something could be wrong to child no, trafficker right in fact who uses the terminology trafficker? Right. 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 But that's where it went. So the airline, when they got to Fort Worth, Texas, and for those that have watched this podcast, Texas is not one of my favorite states. I when you get to Fort Worth, Texas, state. the airline security detained and questioned this lady. It turns out the four-year-old white child is her adopted sister. <laughs> and she has to prove it. They even questioned the four-year-old. Do you know this lady? <laughs> right? You know, they act, you can't make this stuff up. Right. But this is what happened just two days ago. And it's not the first time. We've saw time and time again, the iPhone is the biggest one where the, the white lady accused the 14-year-old black boy of stealing her yeah. iPhone. And the dad was there and she basically tackled the 14 year old boy yeah. come to find out she left it in an uber yeah right profiling immediately thinking that it's a black person very rarely do you see a white person accusing another white person of these type of crimes uh -huh. and i'm not saying that it doesn't happen show show me the evidence right right i can show you the evidence where it happens where the white person is blaming the black there's something interesting i heard a commentator say just the other day after this event, and then you could we could talk about so many other ones. Um, one of the most common reasons black people are stopped by authorities is because they're black. 
mm-hmm. just being black. We joke about that, but that's the one criteria that you must meet is that you're black. The second is because they are in close proximity to whites. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin. I know a lot of people have forgotten about that situation with Trayvon, but he was a black and he was in close proximity to whites and they figured he was a threat, figured he didn't belong there. How many times in the last three months have we heard about a black guy being arrested at his own home because he lived in a predominantly wealthy Mm -hmm. neighborhood and they thought that he shouldn't have been there. He didn't own the house there. Why are you there? Mm -hmm. You're breaking in. He lived there. This happens all the time. So when we talk about because they're in close proximity to whites, we're not just talking about legitimate location area. Mm -hmm. We're talking about something that you talked about last week. We're also talking about privilege. Right. So because white privilege is starting to diminish, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden white people feel like we need to have that distance Mm -hmm. again. They've already tried this once, ladies and gentlemen, when they created what is called middle class. And for most of you, you're not middle class. <laughs> so when you public. hear them talk about rich, middle class, and poor, still poor. and yeah. they don't include that other category called working class, mm-hmm. you're in the poor category. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you're not making $100,000 a year, you're not middle class. Mm-hmm. You're poor. Okay? So when we talk about proximity, they're talking about that privilege mm-hmm. because it's decreasing. And they want to increase that. So how do you increase that? You start putting blacks back into that place that the history books place us in. Right, right. As being insubordinate, inferior. I keep saying And not just a minority. Mm -hmm. Showing you who in charge, boy. Showing you who in charge. (laughs) Absolutely. So when we talk about the reason that this continues to happen is because they're trying to get that white privilege back. Mm-hmm. They want to take certain things from blacks. And it starts with your vote. Let's let's I, I can't get away from that because we talk about the equalizer being education. Mm-hmm. But in terms of change, the equalizer is voting. And if you can't vote, you can't change things. Mm-hmm. Okay? Think about what we're talking about in with black history being taught in schools. Based on what? What are we doing to be able to make that happen? Interest and then you have folks voting on it. But when you talk about the school board, how many blacks are on the Bedford County School Board? I think it's like one, maybe. (laughs) It's so few, we we don't even know. know? But if you think about that, how do you think that you're going to make a difference if you can't vote? If we're not putting black people in areas where they can make a difference? We can go all the way back to a previous podcast where we talk about there's many forms of segregation. Um, You brought up New Orleans and how it's 65, 70% black, and yet you still have these Confederate statues. You know why? Because they don't run anything in there. Segregation. You have blacks living in an area, but they don't control anything about that area. Segregation continues. Where there's segregation, there's oppression, there's racism, there's discrimination, there's injustice, there's inequality. Mm -hmm. That's how you get those things. Absolutely. So even with Driving while black, we know that they're, especially from the past six, seven years, we know driving while black is not just a thing. It's also jogging while black. That's right. Uh, walking while black. Um, fighting while black. Yeah, fighting while black. Um, anything that you can think of that deals with with being African-American. Um, if, if white America can't see that 
we live in two different Americas. Americas. Absolutely. There is no convincing you. And and uh, honestly, I, I'm I'm done trying to convince them. I'm talking to people who are listening that understand because it's important that we don't, again, fall into these narratives that they're trying to create. Uh, the narratives that uh, slavery wasn't all bad. Uh, the sl- <laughs> Slave masters weren't all bad. Right. Uh, the Ku Klux Klan is, is, isn't morally wrong. But we we see uh, we see things like we we see like you talked about. They're always using ways to combat what black people are saying by number one, either saying it uh, well, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, like you said last week. But even talking about Robert E. Lee, they use a a black sambo of Robert E. Lee's to say, see, this black person said it, so right. it has to be true. The same way they do, what's my man's name? Or is it is it Roland? The the guy Roland with this Roland Martin. The, with the Fox show that that that's a that's a Sambo. I can't remember what his name was, but they use him. They use Candace Owens. They use um, Stacey Dash. They use whatever black people they can to support their agenda to say, hey, at least one one black person agrees with mm-hmm. it, so everybody agrees with this. That's right. right. So you have to understand the the root. You have to understand uh, 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 white supremacy to understand it, the things that they are doing today. So that's why we talk about knowing your history because what is happening is nothing new. It, 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 it's, it's nothing different from from uh, what happened in the past. It don't history, even look different. History might not repeat itself, but it dang sure rhymes. Right. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? Um, when you look at uh, Emmett Till to Trayvon Martin, when we look at the cases of voter suppression back to the civil rights movement, um, everything is just cycling back around because white supremacy, whenever they feel like there is a immediate threat to their control in this country. They will use whatever forces necessary, like you said, to especially to seize that control. Number one is education. Number two is voting. Those are the two key components that white supremacy will use to keep their control over this country. So it's an, it's an, it's important that black people continue to learn about true history, which is why we do this podcast. Um, and I, I had an individual say to me that, you know, isn't it still considered racism or racial profiling? Um, if a black person goes into a white neighborhood and you stop them because they look suspicious for being in a white neighborhood or being in the area of a white neighborhood or driving through a white neighborhood. Well, I'm from such and such area and I couldn't go in the hood because I'm white. They, they'll be like, why are you over here? My response to that is, I'm black and I can't go over there (laughs) because black communities, when you look at projects and hoods, what is the, they are very overprotective of what they have there. So if there's no reason for you to be over there, you don't know anybody over there, black or white, black or white, uh, police or not, whatever the case may be, they're suspicious because they don't trust anybody in them areas. Absolutely. When you come from poverty in a certain aspect, there's just certain things that you don't trust. Now, if a white person was jogging in the white neighborhood, nobody would think anything of it because they're white. A black person is, does not discriminate against you because you're white or black. It's just a simple, we don't know you. We ain't never seen you over here. What are you doing over here? Are you the police? Or, or are you coming to kill us? You coming to rob us? What you doing over here? That That is the key concept. That, that, that has nothing to do with racial profiling. It has everything to do with 
protection because we don't know you. I, I, I'll ask this question. How many white people have been detained and questioned by police because they were in a black neighborhood? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they probably gonna warn you and say you probably not I'm even want to be over here. To know if they ever stopped, them, hey, you just look suspicious. You, you realize it's a black neighborhood, right? And opposed to how many blacks well, have been well, detained and questioned in white neighborhoods. I'll say this: if if that did happen, it was why are you over here? Who did you buy it from? I, I, oh, absolutely! Why did you come down? Yeah, here? right. Yeah, because obviously well, you came there for a reason. You give us that. You go on, but tell us who you got it from. Uh, absolutely, right. So, to, just to be detained in the black community because you're white, because they're concerned about your safety or whether you're a suspect to break in somebody's house or something, probably never happens. Right. It only happens to blacks and white communities. Hell, it happens to blacks and black communities. Right, right? absolutely. So, which we'll talk about that a little bit um, on our next episode when we talk about gun violence, mm -hmm. is that also blacks are more likely to be detained and questioned even when they're not driving. Mm -hmm. um, thus, you get the search, stop search That's, and frisk right. um, in, back in New York. Um, so obviously, these are things that put in that have been put in place to control Mm -hmm. the black population and the movements of the black individuals, mm -hmm. as you said, and you said, this is something that's been a practice in America. And we notice we said has, has been a practice. Doesn't mean that it stopped. It right. still continues. Right. It's practice even today. Right. And there still has not been any bills passed to, to actually combat that. Absolutely. Um, George Bush was talking about uh, getting rid of it, getting rid of it in which he did not, incorporate anything to, to to stop it so we know um that police officers form uh, retired police officers say yes it was under our authority to stop blacks and hispanics more because they were more likely to be suspects in any type of crime right. that has been committed so when you look at that when police are telling you that we discriminate we racially profile that's right. based off of our quotas to either ticket or arrest is based off the presumption that we believe that they committed a crime specifically by the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. This is something that has not stopped um, throughout history. And there, if there is no convincing certain people because right. we know they have their ways of manipulation or control that they're not willing to give up. And even if you, bring this information towards media or people. You have people like Donald Trump who says that those statues is history and we should not let them go. You have people like George Bush who said the exact same thing. Um, you have people in those states like New Orleans, um, Virginia, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas. who control the, the council boards and the government that says, no, we're not going to remove these statues. These are the type of people that you're dealing with. So if you do not control any of your economic bases of your community, this is going to continue to happen. Absolutely. This is one of the reasons, like we talked about on the previous episode, why the Black Panther Party did what they did. The Black Panther Party's number one thing was to patrol the police. That's right. Because they were stopping black people for what we call the search and seizure things for racial, uh, profiling. racial profiling. That's right. So they will pull up to see, to make sure that you were doing your job correctly to not detain an African-American for no particular reason at all or plant something on them. So you have to be very careful when you're dealing with people who 
try to manipulate the system and use it for their control, which a lot of police officers out here attempt to do. And before before you close, I just want to say that, you know, we're not talking about all white people. We're talking about white supremacy. Right. Um, you know, when you see the the Black Lives Matter, you know, I was I was watching a documentary and I was watching uh white supremacy come defend these statues. Of course. And they were armed. They had the guns over their shoulder. They had them in the in their hip, you know, and they they just standing out there. The cops standing there with them. But when the black people showed up, all they had was a bullhorn. They didn't have no guns. Mm-hmm. Because if let's let's be honest, truth be told, if they would have showed up with guns, it would have been it would have been some dead black folks. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Not only that, but it, it also would have been are you authorized to carry them? If you're not, we're locking all y'all up. No, that's yeah. a different thing oh, because absolutely. white people with guns is uh, practicing their rights. Black people with guns is a threat. Right. And then, you know, and when everything was going on with Minas- uh, what happened in Minnesota, you know, I seen a couple people in Bedford say, well, if, the, if they go to if they go to the Walmart and, and ride down there, then I'm going to be down there to defend Walmart. Look, so you telling me that the shit in Walmart is more important mm-hmm. Than, than, a life. A, than a than a man's life, right. absolutely. And y'all know we like to we love to quote movies here. So, like Training Day said, hey, I'm gonna come back and burn this motherfucker down. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> right. And um, I'll I'll let you close, Pop. Because I, I, I just want to we, we we're gonna, we're gonna get into some things next week or next episode where we're gonna talk about guns and how they play a major role in black communities. Mm-hmm. Um, but in doing so, I, this definitely relates to what we're talking about because guns and rights to bear firearms mm-hmm. is a major, major voting concern for white Americans mm-hmm. and Republicans. And it's important because the gun violence, we use Chicago as a quick example. When Donald Trump was running for president, and I mentioned this to you guys a couple of weeks ago, when he was running for president, he said, we have a plan that we can put in place that will stop the violence in Chicago immediately. Right. As far as I know, he was president for four years and he didn't stop hmm. any of the gun violence that happened in Chicago. Why? It's black on black crime. Right. Okay. But what they did do is they continued to pass laws that allow people to carry firearms mm-hmm. openly. It's going to be like the wild, wild west. Eventually everybody's going to have a sidearm on the, on the side. Mm-hmm. So I want people to take particularly in particular interest in voting and understanding. If you want to make a difference, you want to create some type of Avenue that's going to give some justice and equality to racial profiling at some point um, and justice for blacks in situations where we deserve it, like this white woman spinning this black lady's face, Mm -hmm. this black lady traveling with her four-year-old white sister. If you want those things to stop, you got to do it at the legislation level. Mm -hmm. You have to, which means you have to vote. Keep in mind, they're trying to suppress that. They're trying to stop you from voting, Mm -hmm. which means now they're trying to limit the ways that we're able to stop the very things they were trying to stop. Right. So once that happens, and it's going to happen if you don't get out and vote, it's going to happen. It's going to start happening at a faster rate to where we talk about it on the podcast. A lot of people are probably sitting there watching this and going, how does this apply to me? Right. You're going to find out. If it hasn't applied to you yet, it will. 
you mentioned Candace Owens, who I think is a, one of the most intelligent black people that I've ever heard in politics. How do you think that she ended up taking the views of the Republican side? I, I often ask myself that question. They gave her the one thing that they don't typically give black people. A platform. They gave her a platform and respect. Mm -hmm. You're not like them. Mm -hmm. Don't be fooled into thinking that they like you just so you can agree with their agenda because mm -hmm. that's what they do. Donald Trump said, if you want to have better, a better life as a black person, you should vote for him, not, not Joe Biden. He is the least racist person that he knows. Least, which means, least means you are. Right. And Joe Biden said that if you like chicken, then you should vote. I just think that we have to do a better job at understanding how we can stop these things from happening. It starts with awareness, and that's what we're doing. Giving you the awareness, giving you the platform, the discussions, giving you the information. But you got to do the work. Mm -hmm. You got to do the work. You got to get out and vote. You got to understand the issues. You can't say they gave us this. We're happy. You can't be content with what's going on right now in mm -hmm. your personal life. Because eventually, if you have kids, if you have grandkids, they're going to be the ones to suffer. Trust me, mm -hmm. it's already happening. My generation dropped the ball. We had people like Bob Carson and we had people like Henry Carey that were talking about some of the same things we're talking about today when I was a kid. We blew it off. Mm -hmm. My generation blew it off. Guess what? Now it's coming back for your generation mm -hmm. because we blew it off in my generation. Mm -hmm. We can't blow it off. We apologize for blowing it off in my generation. I apologize to Bob Carson, Henry Carey, people like them that stood up and was trying to make a difference in Bedford County and we did not listen. Mm -hmm. It's time for everybody to start listening now. Uh, my closing is um, be the change you want to see, but you got to put yourself in a position to, to create the change. And the problem with black America, we talk about white America all the time. Let's talk. The problem with black America is we, we like to, Correlate people with being sellouts. Correlate people with being um, being a puppet. Understand something. In order to create the change, you have to infiltrate places that be the, that can be the change. I'll be the spook that sat by the door. I have no problem doing that because we need to stop the racial profiling from white supremacy officers. We need black officers there. Absolutely. In order to stop the white supremacy teaching in our school, we need more black teachers who can stand up and teach black history, teach U.S. history, and incorporate black history into it. We need more people who can, again, like you talked about, be on the school board and be able to vote to have some of these things taken out or put into place. You have to have people in position to vote for that can make changes so we can have the right to practice some of the things that we're that we're talking about. So without having these people in the position, how can we expect change? So it's up to the, the people who talk about the problems to be the solution as well. That's right. Put yourself in a position to create the change and you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. It's going to take more than one black police officer in our county to be able to create create change. Shout out to all our black officers, the ones that's going through training now. 
because they understand to create that change, to create police and community relationship, you need somebody that looks like you, need somebody that knows how to communicate to you, and need somebody that comes from where you come from to be able to create that correlation. So without being without infiltrating the system, you'll never change the system. And that's one thing that white America banks on. That's right. They are they're doing the white supremacy in police in policing to discourage people from becoming police officers, black people especially. Because guess what? If black officers ain't around, they're gonna do whatever they want to do. That's right. Guess what? If black teachers ain't in school, they're gonna talk about whatever they want to talk. That's right. That's why when it came to the um the uh the schooling online last year that they did, a lot of parents was listening, like, wait a minute, what that teacher talking about? Because if there's nobody around to correct them, there's nobody around to, to, to see what they're saying, this is going to be Bible or truth to them. That's right. And it's going to teach your kids that that is the truth, which is the problem we're having. You have to have people in position, principals, shout out to all our black principals, teachers, police officers, um, politicians. Uh, bankers, people who can give you, say yes to giving you a loan. We talk about not being able to get a loan. How about giving some people in position that can say, yeah, they qualify. Put them in this neighborhood. Right. We need those people around. You can't change the system if you don't infiltrate the system. Love y'all. Peace.